When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, Hokies fans, to this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We record on Thursday, April 7th, and it's been a while. we got a lot to catch up on. In episode 232 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, we're going to give you some updates on some things going on around TSL. We'll also look at spring football and how that's coming along with just over a week until the spring game. And then we'll go around the horn updates on softball, baseball, and men's basketball in the second half. All of that and much more coming up on episode 232 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, which starts right now. We welcome you in to episode 232 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, however you are listening, whether that's on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, or if you're on our YouTube channel. If you are, we ask you to like, comment, subscribe, and turn notifications on so you know when the Tech Sideline Podcast goes live every week. Also, be sure to leave a comment or question for Will and Chris if you are in the chat. We'll get to those with David at the end of the show. As always, the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. You can help bring Olympic hopeful athletes to Blacksburg. Visit southeastrtc.com to learn more and donate today. And some big news. Next week, the podcast will for sure be brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. We're going to have Tony Roby on the podcast as well. That comes up next Monday. Be sure to look out for that. We've got a great crew on set today. Will Stewart, founder and general manager of Tech Sideline. He is across the way. To my right, Chris Coleman, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline. In the fourth chair today, our managing editor, David Cunningham, going to give us some insights on some spring football, softball, baseball, men's basketball as well. Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes, our greatest (laughs) podcast producer in the land, and I'm your host, Jake Lyman. Guys, it's a big day, uh, exciting day. Masters first round already underway, opening day later today. And I want to start with this, Bill Roth going back to the broadcast booth. He will be the new, or I guess the old and new, radio voice of tech football coming up in the fall. Touchdown tech. <laughs> Bill Roth coming. Wait a minute. Meet the new, uh, meet, what, what was it? Was it saying? Meet, meet the, the new, new boss, boss, same as the old boss. Meet the new announcer, <laughs> same as the old announcer. <laughs> yeah, so Bill Roth coming back. Uh, Bill and Mikey back in the booth who thought it would ever happen again, uh, but he will be the voice for football and also he'll be on the TV broadcast for the spring game next week. So uh, anybody who's not in town can listen to Bill Roth there and then once again in the fall. Uh, but first, want to start with some TSL updates. Obviously, the big news over the last few days is the Justin Mutz poster deal, uh, the posterizing dunk over Paolo Boncaro has now been uh, memorialized in a actual poster and Justin <laughs> Mutz has signed 750 of those. Those are available right now. Uh, Will, that's just a great deal uh, and obviously showing the changing landscape of NIL over the last few Sure, Years. but first we have to cover the really big news, which is Chris's new, <laughs> new red shirt license plate. Yep, it's amazing. That, so, no. We've been saying right we want there. we want to get uh, the red flashing lights whenever Chris mentions red shirt, but I guess this will do the, the personalized license plate. 
Take, Malcolm's got something ready to go. Even has Tech Sideline stickers on it, too. Right, right. Yeah, I love nice. it. I love it. And the Tech Sideline garden flags behind him as well. A little bit of accenting around Chris. Right. So so if you're wondering about that, uh, you're wondering how we got that. I, I don't know if people know this, but you can, you can buy sample plates from the Virginia DMV. I don't know why, but their website's called dmvnow.com, which I think is a bizarre name. Why, does, why yeah. isn't it virginiadmv.com? <laughs> but, but you, the DMV later. Uh, or DMV, DMV next week. Or, it's usually know. DMV later. You know, so uh, yeah. you can go on there and you can pick any one of their uh, specialized, I can't remember what they call those plates, commemorative plates or whatever. And that's 20 bucks. So you... It's not bad. And, and you can have anything put on it that you want to. It doesn't matter what people do and don't have driving around out there. And so for 20 bucks, got that shipped to us. And it was quick. It was two weeks. Not like the regular <laughs> DMV functions, which take quite a bit longer. It was just a couple of weeks. So um, nice piece of eye candy there. So anyway, on to the mutts thing. Well, um, yes. So we got the red shirt behind Chris finally. Uh, but how did this deal come to fruition, getting Justin Mutz? Obviously, when you saw that, uh, Liam Smith made the wallpaper yeah, and all of yeah. that. But now we've got the poster. They're signed. How did this all come uh, to be reality? So it started with, uh, I'll try not to hog too much of the show because I know we have a lot to talk <laughs> about, but this is actually a really interesting topic. Uh, so it started with uh, when you know we had a crew go to the ACC tournament up in, in uh, Brooklyn. And Liam Smith, uh, David Liam graduated last year, right? Uh, he's a year older than me. So okay. he graduated two years ago. Yeah. So so Liam was a photographer for 3304, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's got experience shooting sports photography. So we sent him up there to shoot the ACC tournament. And when uh, Mutz dunked on Bancaro with about two and a half minutes left to go in the, in the final, the championship game, um, I think Liam got probably the best photograph of it. Um, his positioning was right up. You know, he got a really good picture of it. It's framed really well. He got two or three pictures, but one of them is really good. So, you know, when Chris and I saw it, the, the gears started. As turning. soon as we got in the office that Monday, we were like, you thinking what I'm thinking about, oh, yeah, about that yeah. picture? Yeah. And so we, we talked about it on the uh, – well, first of all, after the ACC tournament, we were all worn out because it was just, you know. <laughs> but once things settled down, I think we talked about it on the podcast uh, about making a poster out of it. But we hadn't really done any work on it. And uh, I got an email shortly thereafter from a guy named Al. I think it's pronounced Bicer. Um, and Al and his two brothers own Bison Printing in Bedford, Virginia. Turns out that's a huge operation. They got like 70 employees and a big building and everything. And, and Al was like, you know, I'd, I'd love to help with that. So one thing led to another. And ordinarily, Bison Printing is what's called a B2B business. They print for other businesses. So this sort of... Uh, uh, making something available for consumers was a little bit of a challenge for him. And it took us two weeks to, to get the whole thing put together. Now, conceptualizing it was pretty easy. I, I talked to people on the message boards and I said, well, what would you pay for a signed limited edition print? If Mutz signs this uh, photo, what would you pay? And it's funny, the day crowd hovered around 50 or 60 bucks. And when the night crowd got home, they all said 100 bucks. <laughs> so we went to the high end and we set it at $100. And um, so we conceptualized all this and uh, we got on the Hokies Exchange platform and I sent a contract to Mutz. And, and I laid the numbers out. So, you know, we're selling the sign prints for 100 bucks and we want him to have as much of the money as possible. So we set him at $70 per $100 print. And uh, 
we also, you know, Liam actually owns the photo and, and he did a great job. So we wanted to cut him in on it. We gave him some royalties. The printer's got to make his money. So Mutz makes most of the money. The photographer makes some, the printer makes some, and Tech Sideline basically breaks even. We're, this is not a profit center for us. So we conceptualized all that stuff and I sent the contract to Mutz. And I know, I know the heat that Tech Sideline can bring. I know we're talking major bucks. And so I'm like, he's going to be so pumped to see this. And like a day went by and then he messaged me back and he was like, I am sorry, but I cannot sign the deal at this time. So I started going kind of nuts. I was like, what? Because <laughs> we put a lot of work in on this project and it was a big deal. Uh, it just turns out that he and his family were just making sure that everything was structured the way they want it because uh, those of you that saw the Storm Murphy podcast, you know that Storm was wearing the T-shirt of the dunk. And there's a whole story there I won't get into because the T-shirt was made from the same photo. So anyway, Mutz had that deal going and that had already been launched. So the family just wanted to make sure that whatever we did with the poster did not interfere with the T-shirt deal that he already had in place. But in, in typical young person fashion, or maybe this was legal advice, all Mutz said was, I can't sign it at this time. He didn't say why while they talked things over. So finally, we got some back and forth going and figured things out, and the attorneys got everything all taken care of. And the whole time I'm thinking, you know, T-shirts are nice, but I know what's about to happen here, you know, and I'll get to that in a minute. I, I knew we could sell a bunch of these things. And... uh so we, we finally get things all lined up. The contract's all signed. We got a contract with Liam, the photographer. And so we launched this thing uh, Monday. It's Thursday. We launched it Monday at about 1130 in the morning. And just boom, 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 boom. They started uh, selling like crazy. So I just got the numbers. So let me put this in perspective for you guys. Uh so three days in, three days in an hour or two, we've sold 401 wow. of the signed prints. Um, so you do the math on that. That's 40000 in gross revenue. Mutz gets 70, 70 per poster. It's twenty eight grand. And we've all, we're also selling an unsigned poster that's cheaper that he makes money from. So he's approaching $30,000 in just three days. And so yesterday... Um, uh, Justin came to the office and we drove to Bison Printing to do the actual signing. And we would have liked to have taken pre-orders longer, but he's going home to New Jersey to spend some time there. So his schedule was short. So we go to Bison Printing and at that point in time, they'd sold something like 380 of them. So we make the call. We're going to have him sign 750 of them. And that was, that was a process. So, uh, <laughs> So when we get there to the printer, the first thing they do, and Malcolm, if you can start going through the photos on, on the video, the first thing they do is they take you in and they show you what I believe is called a press proof that the customer has to sign off on. Yeah. So we go in and we look at that, and that's a real neat setup. And uh, um, Justin's the one who actually has to, has to sign off on it. And the, the press proof, if I've got my terminology right, Al will be mad at me if I don't, um, is just two of the posters side by side with some other data on them. So we have, you know, we have Mutz look at them with, his, with the little magnifying light thingy, and then he signs off on them. And uh, so we're ready. They're ready to print and sign. So uh, they printed 1,500 of them. 
Um, so they, they wheel them into this room where we're getting ready to sign these things. And, and of course they take the pair and they cut them down the middle. So you had this stack and, um, it was, it was kind of humorous trying to figure out the process now on the, on the, uh, poster. So let me, for those watching the video, I'll grab the poster and hold it up and show it. Up, uh. Up in the corner, there's a dark area that just lends itself perfectly to signing. So, so Justin puts his signature there, slides it down the table to me, and, and I number it, 1 through 750. Um, that process took about two and a half to three hours, you know, with bathroom breaks and stuff <laughs> like that. And, um, and, and the rhythm of it was, was really cool because uh, in the time it took him... You know, uh, I told him before we got started, he's got a good signature anyway. He's got good handwriting and he has a good signature. I said, the biggest thing people need to be able to see is the J and the M yep. and the rest, you know. So he, he, he did it. He did a little thing that I thought was very cool. He would do the J and the M really quickly and he would meticulously write number 25 on that. And the time it took him to do that was basically the same amount of time it took me to write one out of 750, two out of 750. So we're just doing these things. And so that was, that was, that was fun. Um, so unfortunately, because Justin had to drive to New Jersey right after the signing, he and I did not get to travel together. So I didn't get to spend a lot of uh, time with him just kind of riding in the vehicle and talking about stuff. We don't know whether he's coming back or not. Yeah, don't ask me that question. <laughs> so somebody at the signing asked him that question, and he, he just kind of gave it the, you know, well, we're, we're, we're thinking about it, we're looking at everything, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so um, w when he arrived at the office, so he followed me. I drove the company van. He followed me. When he arrived at the office, uh, Mutz drives a 2005 Honda Pilot. So uh, the car's only, uh, he's only six years older than the car. You know, it, it's an old vehicle. It's got a dent in the back, you know. And he got out and I made a joke about, uh, oh, you're going to be able to get a new car now. And he goes, he goes, no, no, I think I'm going to invest it. Wow. So in between him signing the proof and us starting the actual signing, we had about an hour and we ate lunch and he spent that entire hour asking us about investing, what we knew about it. At one point he even asked the question, what would you do if you were me? What would you do with this money if you were me? Now he's no dummy. He knows taxes are involved. His family knows taxes are yeah. involved and they're going to take a, I don't know, 25 to 30% of that, whatever. So he knows to make that calculation in his head. And um, when he asked the question, what would you do if you were me? I said, well, uh, you know, how you choose to invest the money is up to you and your family. But one piece of advice I will give you is buy yourself something, you know, whether something nice, whether for you that's $500, $1,000, $2,000, get yourself something, treat yourself. Yeah. And, you know, then, then be smart with the rest. He was asking us about, how he asked Al how they started the printing business. He was asking about starting businesses and things like that. So that's where his head is, you know, and, uh, and I know there's one, Oh, there's one other story I was forgetting to tell him. This is it. Um, he, uh, he said to me at one point, uh, so I asked him about the t-shirt. I said, how's a t-shirt going? And he told me, and it's, the numbers are smaller, <laughs> you know? And I said, nah, okay. You know, 
and he said, uh, it's, it's not like this though. This is a lot. And, and he looked at me and said, when you told me that, that I could make over 20,000 doing this, I didn't believe you. Yeah. And I was like, well, and so that led to this whole conversation of, uh, um, and I don't know how this is going to sound. I said, well, you know, Tech Sideline's a 25-year-old business. We've been around a long time. We have a large subscriber base. We do 50 million page views a year. You know, we, we're, we're a, I said, we're, we're a very serious business. And I said, but, you know, when, when I watch young people and I see how they consume social media, for example, through their phone, that's a lot of their window into the world. Tech Sideline doesn't have a TikTok account. Mm-hmm. Nobody's dancing on our TikTok account. We've got the Tech Sideline username reserved, but we don't use TikTok. We don't post silly memes. You know, we don't do videos on Instagram. And I said, so yeah, there's a lot of young people out there that aren't aware of us because we don't conduct ourselves like that. But we are large. But the people who are willing to spend money know about us. <laughs> yes, they're they're with us and they've been with us a long time, you know. And and so to kind of kind of wrap this whole thing up, because I don't want to eat up the whole podcast. Um <clears throat> it's it's been a lot of fun to do this. And someone said to me, This is what NIL is intended for. It's not intended to put together these bogus deals that to entice recruits. Of course, that's the way people are going to use it. You know, even the NCAA is not that stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but when you when you look at something like this, it shows people that um, NIL can be fun. Um, getting a signed poster of Mutz is fun, and there's all kinds of fun things you can do around NIL, and it it can be a a vehicle for an athlete who has accomplished something to be rewarded. You know, Justin and his teammates accomplished something. And he is uh, uh, bearing, not bearing the fruits. I don't think that's the phrase I'm looking for. He's benefiting from it. This, this is, to me, true NIL. And even people on our message board says, I, you know, the way a lot of schools are using NIL is sleazy, but I like this. You know, and then the last thing I wanted to say about that is I know that tech fans have been nervous about NIL because they see the rumored thing that tech, Texas A&M did was where they just threw $30 million into a pot and they're going to supposedly hand it out to, you know, whoever's on their teams. And tech fans see that and it makes them nervous because, you know, typically uh, Virginia Tech doesn't have alums that throw that kind of money around. But one thing that Virginia Tech does have is a very, very strong, loyal fan base. And there's a lot that can be what I would call crowdsourced in terms of NIL. If you are a Hokie fan and you think that Virginia Tech can't generate some good NIL opportunities, yes, they can. And it's not one person giving $30,000 or whatever it winds up being to Justin Mutz. It's a whole bunch of people, and they're getting something for for what they're putting in. So um, I really think this kind of resets the discussion and gives people other things to think about. Yeah, you know the the narrative amongst the fan base all the time through the for years and years and years now is okay. This team cheats, and and Kansas players get Adidas deals, and who knows if they'll have to forfeit their national title or and everything like that, and. We can't compete with that. And UNC doesn't have to go to class. Uh, well, well, they play for national titles. Well, guess what? Like, what Kansas and, and Adidas did is now going to be legal in the future. If Adidas, Adidas wants those players to go to Kansas, 
They, they can just promise them that they're going to sign them to an endorsement contract as soon as they set foot on campus, and, and boom. So this is a legal way for Virginia Tech to compete with things that the fan base said we all always said we could not compete with. If you felt if worried or powerless, well, you now you're have not power. powerless anymore. Every fan who bought a hundred dollar poster, it, it was their opportunity to take control of the situation and have some power. Right, right. And you know whether whether or not this isn't about whether Mutz comes back or not. I mean, uh, maybe he will, maybe he won't. I, I don't know. I hope he does. But it's also something that Mike Young can tell recruits: say, look, one of our players. Had a big time dunk in the ACC finals, and they got a really good picture of it. And they sold, Cha-ching. they sold, <laughs> you know, what four hundred one and counting, right? Yeah, and and it's and only the sales fifty more available. The, the, the sales only been going on for three days, so uh, you know, and, and so Justin Mutz made thirty grand, or I don't, maybe it ends up thirty five or forty. Or I don't, 40, I don't yeah. know. Uh, but you know this it can only be a positive for Virginia Tech recruiting. Yeah, and and it's 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 awkward to sit here and say on a podcast that thousands of people will listen to and watch exactly how much money is going to Mutz. But it serves a purpose. You we, know, we, uh, it the, sends a signal. You know, and he cleared. He said it was okay to put those numbers out there. I, I asked the fans. We, we we wanted to make it very clear to the fans exactly how much he was making that this the first of all that it wasn't a profit center for us that we right. were breaking even but we really wanted to show the fans that you know you you can potentially make a difference um and this isn't us doing it it's the fans right, that are doing it. Right, and, exactly. and, and i think in the future this this just changes the game not just for men's basketball but for all sports right i mean imagine if a women's basketball player has a game-winning three-pointer or a soccer soccer player, game-winning goal. I mean, there are so many opportunities across all sports. If softball ends up going to the College World Series, I mean, like, like there are, you know, and each of these is a different kind of portion of the fan base. You know, like softball has its own little collective of wrestling people. Wrestling has yes. its Wrestling, own. diehards. You know, imagine if... Imagine if somebody got a great shot of Makai after he wins a national championship next year. Right. Like these are the kind of opportunities that that Tech Sideline, because of what this has done, it now shows that this is possible. And, and I think it's something to build up. And here's what I would do, and I, I don't know for sure if this is, is legal, because but who the hell knows when it comes to NIL? Right. Nobody knows anything, right? Uh, you're the Virginia Tech Nike contract expert. How much does Virginia Tech, from a monetary standpant, get paid? Twelve dollars. <laughs> serious number. Uh, gosh, let me let me try to remember the details of that contract. It was roughly two million dollars a year, and the vast vast majority of that was equipment, jerseys, and things like that. So, and how much it, actual cash does Virginia Tech get? There was like one or two hundred thousand in cash, and that was it. Okay. Yeah. Now okay. that contract is expiring. It'll be. It's expiring in mid 2023. That that horrible, terrible albatross that has been right. around Texan neck for almost a decade. Now, if I'm if I'm Whit Babcock, I'm I'm telling Nike, look, don't give us any more cash. Sign all our basketball players to NIL deals. Yeah. Now I don't know if you caught the news release or not, but but Adidas actually is sort of for every Adidas school, Adidas is offering the opportunity to make NIL money. 
repping Adidas. Now, what that means is that, let's say, some some Adidas school has a popular women's volleyball player. What that means for her is she can put a link to Adidas shoes in her social media, and if you go click and buy, she gets credit for that. Mm-hmm. It's not as if, at this point anyway, that I think Adidas is going to be paying every athlete ten or $15,000 a year. No, I don't think so. But that's a decent idea that Chris just had. I mean... Two hundred grand. Even if the next Nike contract, they happen to pay us a million in cash. You're talking about an athletic department that's gonna. It's over a million dollars now in, in revenue. Hundred million dollars. Uh, <laughs> over a hundred million dollars. That's my Austin Powers moment when he comes back sixty <laughs> years later. Million and, dollars. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that's a drop in the bucket these days, yeah. and I think that money could go to. Could could benefit in a, in other areas. I like that idea. Yeah, because imagine if imagine if you have high profile recruits. Now that you just have you have Mike Jones on staff, a really good recruiter, you know, and this goes not just for for basketball for for, for all sports, but you have now an opportunity to showcase that. Okay, imagine if Nike does sign all the men's basketball players to NIL deals, and it's kind of that thing where. If somebody wants to buy something Nike related, they go to a player's profile and the proceeds some of the proceeds go to them. That benefits both Virginia Tech, the student athlete, and, and that's Nike. something and, and that's something you can pitch to a recruit. And Absolutely. I think yeah. that it benefits the entire party. So so back to the thing of this of NIL being fun for the fans. Um, you know, the the NIL Stuff is starting up at Virginia Tech, and, and we've talked to the people who are running it, and they've got some great ideas that are going to be so much fun for the fans. Just think about, like, all of you parents out there who your 10-year-old kid was a big fan of Deron Washington or Dax Hollyfield or whoever. Well, you just kind of had to buy a generic jersey, and maybe you could go to some event where they'd sign it. No, you're actually going to be able to buy your kid in a perfect world. We'll see if this stuff develops. A Dax Hollyfield poster that the kid can put on the wall, a Deron Washington poster, and there'll be a... And personalized jerseys. A lot of, yeah, and a lot of other really cool items and things that are going to come down And they could they could do cameo or something like that where they make money. You know, if a 10-year-old loves Dax Hollyfield, he can make them a little video for their birthday yeah, or something um, like that. Yeah, I think Storm, 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 Storm just signed yeah. up for, for a thing like that. Yeah, so yeah. if you want to send your kid a birthday message or, or, or for Christmas next year or whatever, you can sign up. And Storm Murphy, Storm Murphy will will personalize that message for for your kid or for whoever. So these are the kind of opportunities that are going to be available for for fans that haven't been available, and that that creates that 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 emotional tie that really resonates. Mm-hmm. And the Justin Lutz poster deal, obviously, really cool for Tech Sideline to be able to execute yeah. it. Justin, obviously, a, a big deal for him. And then the fans, you get to help out Justin, and also you get yourself a signed poster uh, of one yeah. of the biggest moments in Tech basketball history. So yeah, and and we we could not put ACC champions or anything like that. We we tried to make that poster like. <laughs> You didn't want to infringe on any copyrights or trademarks yeah. or anything. Well, very cool. And you can still get these posters on TechSideline.com? Well, what you want to do, let's see. Uh, I will admit that I haven't really threaded the promos for the posters into um, our site very well we've yet. We've sent them through emails. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've sent them through emails. If you, look at, if you look at our Twitter in particular, you'll be able to find okay. it. It's, you know, if you've got a good memory, it's TSL nil.bisonprinting.com. 
com. We could or just go to the article on the site. We we could also put the link in the description. We will do that. Yes. So it'll be in the description of the YouTube video. It's on Tech Sideline Twitter at Tech Sideline and also in the article. The articles which you can find on Tech Sideline So just Google Tech Sideline. You could probably just Google Justin Mutz nil. And poster. Plenty of ways poster. to find it. If you're still looking for a Justin Mutz signed poster, plenty of ways to get to that link. Uh, very cool opportunity. Now we got a lot to get into around the other aspects of tech athletics. Let's start with spring football. We are nine days away now from the spring game in Lane Stadium yeah. uh, next Saturday. So uh, I know that David and Chris have gotten to see, and Will, you got to see an open practice as well. Mm, I've been busy with that poster <laughs> deal. <laughs> he, so he, got, he got to see the full The full practice. one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so all of you guys have gotten to see kind of what Brent Pry's first spring football looks like. What have been your general impressions of what you've seen from the team so far? A lot more arm talent in the quarterback room. I mean, you think about last year, uh, Burmeister was playing with a bum shoulder, and I believe it came out recently that he also like broke ribs against Notre Dame. So, I think that was rumored. Yeah, you're throwing shoulders hurt, and you got broken ribs. You're not going to be able to throw the ball, right? So, and then his backup for most of the year was Kadem, who now plays for McNeese State. Yeah. I mean, Virginia Tech did not have much arm talent on that team last year, and and but they do man now. Man, Wells can sling it, and and Brown's got a good strong arm too. Uh, to, but there's nothing wrong with Bullock's arm from an arm strength standpoint. And I've been impressed with Devin Farrell. Yeah. Um, Devin Farrell is a guy I didn't know a lot about because he never posted any senior film on huddle or anything like that. So uh, I had no no idea about his arm strength or anything like that. But he's, what little I've seen, he seems capable yeah. uh, to me. So that, and, and he'll mature and get right. bigger. So and... improved arm talent in the quarterback room is the number one thing that stands out to me. Uh, the, the other thing that probably stands out to me is the position changes. Yep. They're, they're really, really trying hard to find the right position for guys. And, and while I'm on that, So Chris has got it written down. While He's I'm got on that subject. Um, Connor Blumrick is playing a tight end slash wide receiver role. He's going to be catching the ball He's this, Taysom Hill. this year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's an ideal role for him. Uh, I, I, I think uh, he should have pretty good ball skills. I mean, these days, you know, quarterbacks aren't up under center doing that. I mean, they have to catch the snap every time. Every so, so, so they, they they have to have decent hands at least. Um, and you would, you would think maybe some trick plays in there. You've got a guy who can at least competently throw the football. Sure. Yeah, well, and I think yeah. that was one of the things. I asked uh, Jason Brown about it and Grant Wells about him yesterday, and one of the two said this is a guy who could catch an 80-yard post route and then the next play go throw a five-yard slant. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like his – ability to be dynamic can can kind of change a lot of things. Somebody told me he housed a six, like a 60-yard tunnel screen recently wow. in practice. We yeah. haven't seen that since the Michael Stewie days. <laughs> <laughs> For you youngins, you don't know. That goes way uh, back. <laughs> so let's see. Other position changes. Jordan McDonald to defensive end. His twin brother, Jaden, to Will linebacker. The practice we saw, they they were uh, Jaden was the number one Sam and Jordan was the number two Sam. Yeah. Um. So Jordan's a defensive end, and he played there some on the scout team last year. Him and Jaden both did actually. Uh. And Jaden is now the will spot, which is the short side linebacker, the the boundary linebacker. Um. If you want to compare the past tech defense, he would be aligned as like a backer, right? Like a Xavier or a DB. 
Uh, so do you know type. if I top, top of your head how big the McDonald's are? Or they're, so they're listed at 6'4", 215. Everybody ignore the weights that are listed on the online roster because they haven't been updated since last August. They're probably closer to 230 or 240 now, you think? I don't know about that, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're not they're, they're, it's, it's really hard to estimate weight on people that are really tall sometimes. Who are uh, far away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think Jordan's probably a year away from really contributing to defensive end because I do think he needs to add a little more size and strength. Uh, Jaden's going to be playing on the short side of the field at will. Uh, so they both moved from the Sam spot, and so you got three brand-new players at Sam. You've got J.R. Walker, uh, who was a safety previously. You've got Keonta Jenkins, who was a safety previously. And wow. you've got uh, Kelly Lawson, who was a wide receiver. And uh, the Sam is – the wide side linebacker, um, field, ba- ba- field backer, field backer is yeah. what they'll call it. Um, it's basically like Virginia Tech's old whip position, except it's a traditional linebacker. Virginia Tech never, never, never really played a traditional linebacker at whip. He was always a nickel back type. Now this, the, it'll look like like Virginia Tech's 2004 2005 defense with James Anderson playing the whip role, who was a traditional linebacker. But after Anderson left, Tech didn't have any more traditional linebackers in that role. Well, and he was a freak athlete that at that size. Yeah. He played a long there. time in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, if I had to bet, I would bet that Jenkins will, will win that position. But but I don't know. I mean, they keep moving guys around. I mean, for all I know, there will be somebody else at that spot at the end of the year. They're, they're, it's, it's like we expected. They're just moving guys around because they think they're a better fit somewhere else. And the spring's the time to experiment. I mean, so we could see more changes. Yeah, in I fact, know, I don't know if I've said this on a podcast, but, you know, they used to put the uh, freshman football players' names in tape on their helmets. Yeah. And this staff put every player's name in tape on their helmets. They also used to uh, shave the heads of all freshmen. <laughs> that was easy. Every single yeah. one of them. So that, yeah. you could tell when they didn't and have their helmet on. <laughs> there was another position change this morning with Bryce Goodner moving from offensive guard to defensive tackle. We noticed that in the open practice section, session this morning. Gunner Givens has slid inside from defensive end to defensive tackle. He's been banged up a little bit. I don't think he's a full go right now. Whether he plays in the spring game, I'm not sure. But if he stays on defense – Defensive tackle is his long-term position, in my opinion. I still think he's an offensive lineman, but we'll see. Uh, Lakeem Rudolph also moved to defensive end. Now, this is a guy who was about 195 or 200 pounds when Tech signed him. He actually got hit by a car at one point in high school, and uh, you know that affected his development and, and everything. So he, he, I think he enrolled at Tech, you know, around 210 or so, maybe, and then. He was a safety. He actually played a little bit as a true freshman on like special teams two years ago, but that didn't count. So he was a true freshman again last year, and he had got up to 227 pounds at that point. So they moved him to linebacker, and he redshirted last year as a linebacker. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, prop, proper decision. Um, now he's 240 pounds, according to the coaches. Yeah. And, you know, Fuente and that staff, they kind of wanted to move him to defensive end last year, but they're like, man, we literally just moved him to line to linebacker Two weeks ago, we don't want to have another position change for him. So he redshirted as a linebacker. Uh, now he's a defensive end. Those are the position, excuse me, position changes that I wrote down. Can you think of any other off the top of, of your the head? one today, Bryce Goodner? Yeah, I mentioned that. Oh, you mentioned yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's that covers pretty much all of them. And and here's a funny thing, Brent Price like kind of tried to tell us about him, but it also hasn't been straightforward. It's like, hey, what are the position changes? And right. You know, oh, we move these three guys around. It's 
You move Kelly Lawson to, to across I, I, the I don't. I don't think he wants to talk about him unless he's fully committed to the move. Because yeah. some of them might just be for like one practice just yeah. to see how a guy yeah. does. Yeah. You know, uh, I think when he comes out and announces the Connor Blumberg moves, it's because that's a done deal. He knows that's going to stick. Yeah. Well, in talking right. with the quarterbacks, because that's who we got to talk with this week. We got to talk with Tyler Bowen. Uh, Brent Pry, obviously, but Brad Glenn, the quarterback's coach, you know, and, and listening to them talk with, you know, after talking with Connor Blomrick and stuff, um, you know, he's going to play wide receiver tight end. But mm-hmm. but from what it sounds like, you know, he can be a matchup problem out there. And I'm really interested to see kind of what he brings because we know that, you know, there's Caleb Smith and Jaden Blue kind of in that wide receiver room, but a lot of unproven guys behind yeah. him. So I think that like just the position changes and kind of seeing who can move around and have an impact mm-hmm. at a different spot is kind of the thing that, that jumps out the most to me. Um, you know, but that's what, what they've been doing, you know, over the past, you know, three, four weeks. And, you know, every Monday they have a meeting where they kind of decide, okay, do, who, who needs to move? So, um, and I think I told you before this, Jake, but like we're gonna we we might be able to get a chance to go watch them scrimmage on Saturday. So so that'd be you know something new to see actually them like going at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, and you know I would not expect Ballmer to like have his hand in the dirt when when we say <laughs> tight end. I actually have written down here tight end slash wide receiver because I think he's going to be technically listed as a tight end, but I know he's been working some of Fontel Mines. And tight ends don't catch tunnel screens like I was talking. Now, I didn't see that with my own eyes. It was somebody else who saw it who told me. So. We don't think he's going to be blocking defensive ends. Don't think he's like going to be blocking <laughs> defensive ends. Uh, I do know from that open practice we saw, Virginia Tech started that off with a competition drill between the wide receivers and the DBs. And basically it was a jump ball competition in the quarter of the end zone. And like the DBs won almost everywhere. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, but Because Tech doesn't have really – like Caleb Smith's a big guy, but Tech doesn't really have a big guy who's naturally going to go up and be Damon Hazelton just is your right best over. example, or Isaiah Ford, a guy who's just going to go snatch it out of the air over a defensive back. Uh, maybe maybe this is maybe that's a role he can play. Yeah. Is he's six five, man? You know, uh, maybe maybe he's that guy in the red zone, and then between the twenties, he's somebody else. It's interesting you bring that up, and, and Kelly Kelly Lawson's size, and yet they move him from wide receiver. And oh, uh, you know, uh, Pry was already familiar with him because Pry right. Pry knows the Sharando coach because Pry recruited. Uh, oh gosh, uh, Tech had a linebacker from Sharando. He was a four star recruit the year before Dax Holyfield. Um, and he had to give up football because of neck injury. He actually started at backer, and then uh, Dax took his. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't took, remember who took, it is. Took his, uh, but anyway, he was originally committed to Penn State before decommitting from Penn State to commit to Fuente and Tech. And uh, so Pry knows his high school coach. Oh, uh, Dylan Rivers. Dylan, Dylan Rivers. Yeah, Why couldn't yeah. I think that? I kept wanting <laughs> to say Chase Williams. That was five or. That was much that, longer. No, ago. That was ten years ago. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So. Pry is familiar with the high school coach. They had a lot of conversations with it. And, you know, Pry went back and watched his high school film and talked to the high school coach. And, you know, they both they both think he's a better defensive prospect than, than offensive prospect. Um, we'll see. Uh, and Because, you know, there there's competition. You know, Keonta Jenkins, I think, will start there, Sam. I mean, if the season started tomorrow with th- these three guys at the, at the position, 
I definitely think Jenkins would uh yeah. would, would 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 start there. Um and considering the lack of depth at outside receiver for the Hokies, that you would have to think a guy like Lawson would have a chance to get on the field there earlier. Um but I, I'm at the same time I, I'm I'm happy uh, they wouldn't make that move unless they felt it. Now, is, was that one they, is that one they announced, or do you think they're just experimenting, experimenting with it and might go back? I don't know. David, did they actually officially announce that, or did somebody just notice it? Who? Kelly Kelly Lawson. Lawson. Oh, no, they ain't. He he announced it. That's why I brought it up, because he announced, um, he he mentioned, yeah, we know we moved Keeley, or we moved uh, Keonta Jenkins and uh, JR. He's like, Walker, Jenkins, and Lawson. And not. Andy Bitter and Mike Nyslock and I all kind of did double take and said, like, like Keely Lawson, like the wide receiver, and he's like, yeah. So, okay. um, so he, so he announced those are the guys he announced. The one that that they never announced was Goodner. Yeah, yeah. and we just saw Goodner practicing. Well, I, I, yeah, today. they might have just decided that this morning or yeah, last night. So or that that was like the there. one we we hadn't heard of, but all the other ones, prize prize told us. And I, and I like it because uh, it shows a dedication to the long term. It. it He's not Brent Price not thinking about oh God I need to win X number of games this year so let me leave Lawson at wide receiver for now because he's actually got a better chance to get on the field there this year than at linebacker he's thinking about long term which I think is the proper way to to build a program with where Virginia Tech is right now so we got a lot of developments more arm talent in the quarterback room uh, I believe they announced yesterday Jason Brown and Grant Wells as expected Separating are kind of himself, the yeah. they're the top tier followed by. Um, Bullock and Farrell. Uh, we've got shuffling pieces on defense. Lots of movement over there. Yeah. Uh, and Connor Blumrick. Let's say he moved to weapon. We're gonna. He's playing. We'll call him he, weapon. He, he's playing yeah. weapon now. Uh, I want to quickly touch on running backs. Uh, let's let's talk redshirt. Uh, <laughs> Blair the red lights uh, and Will's uh, man crush from this class. Bryce Duke. Uh, based on what I've seen on Twitter, he's been impressing. But he's, do we think he's going to redshirt this year? Generally, when you watch these practices, now we don't get to see them go through scrimmages. It's it's literally just quarter, quarterbacks throwing to receivers, and there's no defenders there. It's just <laughs> air, right? So so last Thursday when we were at practice, I believe the top four who took reps, you know, the the whoever's number one on the depth chart that day goes first. Whoever's number two goes second. Blah blah blah. So number one that day was was uh, Jalen Holston. Number two was Malachi Thomas. Number three was Chance Black. Number four was Bryce Duke. Uh, today, Malachi Thomas was number one. Chance Black was number two. Uh, Jalen Holston was number three, and Bryce Duke was number four. Okay. So that's two weeks in a row. Bryce Duke has been number four. So he's in the conversation. For sure, yep. which is all you can ask for a true freshman at this point who is supposed to still be in high school. Um, so the fact that he appears to be ahead of some of those other guys, there's there's too many redshirt freshmen and <laughs> freshmen running backs in yeah. there to all stick. You know, there, there's going to be some attrition. Well, does it feel like the rest of that group outside of those four may be looking at position changes, possibly transferring? I, th- I think you have to – You, I mean, you've got to get down the 85-man scholarship yep. limit. Nobody wants to be the ninth-string running back, right? <laughs> <laughs> or the eighth-string running back or the seventh-string running back, to be quite honest with you. So, yeah, there's definitely going to be attrition there. Uh, they've been impressed with Kashawn King's playmaking ability, but, like – Last week during the open practice, like King was like going last in drills, and today he was 
not in the top four in drills. So it seems to me that like he's a guy who makes plays but is not a consistent player, if that makes any sense. Um, so I, I think they they maybe have thought about taking a look at him as maybe like a wide receiver slot mm-hmm. type. Certainly he can return kicks. And I think they, they've taken a look at Chance Black there too. But the fact that he was actually Chance Black was actually the second guy through drills at running back today shows me that right now they view him as a running back. Yep. So uh, there, there's still a lot to shake out, and there's another scrimmage on Saturday, and then they'll have another meeting, and maybe there'll be more position changes heading into that final week before the spring game. Yep. Well, I think it's one. It's important to note that when we got a chance to talk to Stu Holt before the Louisville game, he said ideally he would like six running backs in his room. Hmm. Okay. So you're thinking... Doesn't mean all of them are going to play. Yeah, yes. again, and that does not mean all of them are going to play because he did say, you know, ideally he'd like to have a guy, but, you know, you're going to feed the hot hand. But that, you know, you would think that means attrition, position changes, you know, and, and like Chris said, Black and King were right. two guys that, that Pry and, and Tyler Bowen kind of mentioned as guys that, that were potentially going to, you know, looking to see if they could play somewhere else. I uh, I think the ideal number for, for me at running back is uh, six with one of those being a walk-on. All right, so you have – and you're never going to be able to hit this every year. But uh, four running backs and then one one guy redshirting, of course, <laughs> and then like an emergency walk-on. So you have five guys available so you don't have to burn that redshirt. That would be my ideal scenario. So certainly a lot to work out in the running back room. More than six there right now. Uh, so we'll see what changes in the next few months. Before we move on from football, we have our first commit to the 2023 class uh, and Brent Pry. It's Lance Williams, offensive lineman, three-star coming in. Uh, general impressions of the first commit to the class. He's going to be the most photogenic player of the entire class. And he was first because he's got that long hair. Oh, yeah. He's got the Jake Johnson hair. Yeah. It looks like Thor. <laughs> An offensive lineman who looks like Thor. Yeah, maybe we got a nickname. And Dex for tells me that the ladies love the long hair. He's <laughs> um, quite uh, adamant about that. No, uh, I think uh, he's a guy. You have to give both staffs credit. He had a very, very close relationship with the previous Tech staff. He took. He's taken three visits to Tech, and I know at least two of them, maybe three, came with the previous staff. He, he camped. He's done a junior day. Uh, Came, I think he came to a game last year. I think he's gonna. He was a guy that Virginia Tech was going to get, regardless. Yep. Um, now Joe Rudolph got here and, and looked at all the guys that Tech that Tech had offered for the offensive line. Decided to pursue some of them. Decided to not pursue some of them. But Lance Williams is one of those guys who was re-offered by Virginia Tech after the coach and staff change. And I'm at the point, you know, Joe Rudolph. I mean, Wisconsin offensive lines. Yeah. If he's good right now, if he's good enough for Joe Rudolph, he's good Whatever enough. Whatever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's from Alcoa, Tennessee. Uh, do we know right off the top of our head how far away Alcoa is? No. Can you can you look I it don't. up, David? David's on it. Uh, he's got he's actually got an offensive lineman teammate that uh, that the previous staff had offered as well. Uh, so that must be one heck of an offensive line. Yeah. But I don't think Rudolph is really uh, – 250 miles. Okay. Three hours and 45 minutes. So oh, okay. it's it's like – A little past Knoxville. It's directly – you have to go to Knoxville and you go like directly south. Okay. okay. So like, you know, right down 81. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. 
All right. Well, we got our first commit to the 2023 class. I'm sure plenty more to come over the next few months. Probably there'll be a big, big contingent of them at the spring. Yes. Yes. Uh, Obviously a big recruiting day coming up in a few weeks for Brent Price staff. Uh, Before we take a break, Dave, you got anything in the fourth chair? Yeah. um, A couple of questions. First, uh, somebody Mal- will Malcolm drop the uh, the link for the posters in the chat and somebody Charles Malden asked already ordered posters will ship when uh, so so they've actually already started shipping um, they have the tubes they have the posters printed they got them all signed so they've started the process of shipping um, I'll be honest I haven't had a chance to ask the printer what tracking will be provided if any but I know that they're they're gonna start shipping today because one of the priorities we have is to um, get the funds to Justin Mutz as fast as possible. Yep. And to do that, the printer needs to ship, and then the money comes to the printer, and then it comes to us, and then it goes to Mutz. So uh, so I'll, I'll answer with, I don't know how long it takes to stuff one of these things in a tube. I can tell you it was <laughs> tedious to it. number them. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine you know, putting them in the yeah. tubes. So I think it will take some time, and I'm not sure what sort of tracking will be provided. Cool. All right, two two questions. First, GJP asks, who's going to win the starting quarterback job? And I know that's a very open question, but Chris, from what you've seen, what are your thoughts? In passing drills, the first one out there is Wells. Okay. That, that's what I've seen consistently every time I've been at practice. Um, he can make any throw on the field so smooth. Just he, he, from a pure arm talent standpoint, he reminds me of Ryan Willis. And before anybody starts bashing <laughs> Willis, remember that he plays for the Chicago Bears now. Yeah, he He's pretty one. freaking yeah. good. We just botched his development. Okay, <laughs> so um, that's who he's not. He, Wells isn't as tall, but from an arm talent standpoint, that's who he reminds me of. Um, I thought I thought Brad Glenn had an interesting quote about Jason Brown. He said, you know, he's Brown's got a good arm, but like his completions aren't as pretty. Like he grinds them out, hmm. which watching his South Carolina tape, I can see, I see what he's talking about. It's it's hard. Just go back and watch some of his highlights, and and that's a good way to phrase it. Um, I I can't explain it on a, on a podcast. You can go. You have to go look for yourself. Um, I I think Wells is the front runner. He's just got more experience at the division. It's hard to argue level. with with what five thousand career passing yards, yeah. like fifty five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his last year at Marshall would have would have been second in Virginia Tech history single season uh, wow. single season passing, and that was in thirteen games. Gerard Evans has the record in fourteen games, and, 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 Grant, and Grant Wells was just a, like a hundred yards behind. It's him. like a hundred yards or less. And, like his completion percentage was like sixty seven percent, which would also be a Virginia Tech record. And I know that's that's Marshall competition, but I mean, this guy's got major talent in my opinion. Yeah, wow. and uh, he's also has three years remaining. You know, uh, he's already started two years. He's a two-year starter at Marshall, and one of those was a COVID year, so it doesn't count. That's he right. could potentially be our starter this year, 2023 and 2024. Wow. So uh, so I think – I'm not rooting for either guy. I think he's more likely to win the job. Yeah. And I think it would be benef- more beneficial for Virginia Tech long-term if he did win the job because then you have a returning starter next year and then potentially the year after as opposed to you know Brown starting this year and then – He's gone. He's done. And then you start all over again. Which has been the pattern at Tech for yes. five or six I, I years. I want some con- yeah. continuity at quarterback. Continuity. So, um, yes. uh, 
so the the one downside with with Wells was the touchdown to interception ratio. And didn't somebody ask the uh, one of the coaches about the turnovers and how that sort of thing's been? Yeah, going? Teal actually. Yeah, David, uh, David Teal asked asked him just about the um, ball security, and and they basically said through nine or so practices scrimmages. They've only each thrown like one interception. Yeah, and Brad Glenn and said he's been very impressed. He threw with it. thirteen picks last year, but if you look at it from a interception per or attempts per interception standpoint, he had a better number than Brown did at South Carolina. Right. Brown started four games for South Carolina and threw six picks in those four games. Yeah. So uh, it's not like I mean. Yeah. So Wells had more, but he also started three times as many games right? and threw about. Well over twice, maybe three times as many passes. So, and, and I, I think there was an aversion in the Fuente coaching staff to putting quarterbacks in a position to turn it over. Oh, absolutely, you know? absolutely. Uh, it's possible but, that this staff will want their quarterbacks to be more aggressive, make throws, and you might wind up seeing more interceptions. Yeah, it's it's possible. Um, I, I will also say that. Stop me if you ever heard this before. Marshall fans don't like their offensive coordinator. <laughs> Okay, very very few fan bases do. All right, because Wells, this is the second quarterback in a row that they've had that they've they've had a quarterback start as a freshman and play well as a freshman, and then he throws more picks in his second year than he did his first year. Yeah. Right. So this seems to be a trend with their offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach that they don't like. Um. So when you look at Wells's interception last year, if the Marshall fans are right. Then that's a Marshall thing. That's not a Wells yeah. thing. Well, we'll but find out. We know, will find we, out. Assuming he becomes a starter, we'll right. find out. Soon and that's going to be something everybody wants to watch next Saturday in the spring game. Uh, see how that competition he's, starts he's to also, sort out. He's also the more mobile. You know, he's a guy that rushed a couple of years ago for 300 yards or so, which doesn't sound like a lot. But Brown had negative rushing yards at South yeah. Carolina. Yeah. He is very much a pocket passer. <laughs> You're not going to get anything out of the running game with him. Yeah. He's got some escapability to a certain extent, and then, but then he makes throws downfield yep. and things like that. He's not going to run away from you and things. So you could probably you could get more out of a quarterback design run probably out, out of Wells than, than you could Brown. Um, that said, if, if Brown beats him out, yeah. then more power to him. You're going to have a better quarterback in 2022 no matter what. And Whoever wins I'll, the competition. You will have a better backup quarterback yes. too. <laughs> you know? <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get to more questions at the end of the show. We okay. ran a little bit long on the well, first I was gonna, half. You want me? You want me to ask now? There's a football question, or yeah. You know what? Sure. Let's let's get all the football so, out of well, the way. And the first thing I want to say is, Pry did say, and Pry and Glenn and Bone were all in agreement that if there is a starting quarterback, like for sure, they will name him. Mm-hmm. Okay. If there's not, they're not going to name him. Yeah. I feel like that's important. That um, since we're on football, I'll figure I'll ask Sam Sweeney says, are there any possibilities to get a solid two deep at? Um, defensive tackle or offensive tackle or any other areas in need through the spring portal through the uh, portal through the portal um you know we'll have to see uh there will be more attrition for every school after the spring yeah. everybody's got to get down to 85 some guys are going to look at their playing time after the spring and see that the writing's on the wall and they're going to the portal blah 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 um I, th- I definitely think offensive tackle, a natural offensive tackle, is, is something that Tech could take a look at. There have been times when Tech has been running with uh, two walk-on, two walk-on redshirt freshmen as their backup offensive tackle this spring. Uh, Bob Schick was the backup left tackle today, but I even think he's a natural guard. So, like, there, there's 
to be honest with you, I'm not even sure Silas Chansey's a natural tackle. He might be a better fit at guard. I don't know, but right now he's a starting left tackle. I would love to add a, a true offensive tackle in, in the portal over the summer. Um, and you've got to be very careful with your numbers. Like you got to, if, if because you've got to get rid of guys or have guys transfer. Excuse me to uh, get down to the eighty to the eighty five man. You get. You, there has to be attrition to get down to the 85-man spot, uh, the 85-man the number. Um, so you don't want to be adding guys unless you know they can help you. Yeah. yeah. Because then that's more guys that have to leave, right? And, you know, sometimes attrition is good, but you don't want too much if you can avoid it. And, and with regards to the portal, there's so many players in the portal yeah. these days that in, in – I think the likelihood is that if there's a tackle out there in the portal that Virginia Tech likes, it'll be because right. he's at a school that one of Virginia Tech's coaches was at, yeah. or it was a kid that he recruited out of high school that went somewhere else. You're not just going to randomly pick somebody from the portal. He asked yeah. about defensive tackle also, right? Yeah. yeah. That was in there. Uh, so Tech, you know, I'm actually have started writing a defensive tackle article and, uh, I've I've run the number of snaps, and obviously Neural Pollard's got a lot of experience. Mario, Mario Kendricks has a lot of experience. Um, Fuga. Josh Fuga has a lot of experience. Even Panay got over a hundred snaps last year, uh, which is you know a, a lot for you know a guy who was a freshman. Yeah. Um, for just, so I, I I think I don't know that like the 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 scheme fit is. I think for, mo- for for Pollard, this is definitely a better scheme than the previous one, the Jayhem scheme. I, I think that for Panay, it's definitely a better schematic fit than, than the old scheme. I don't know if it is for Fugo, but he can still he can still be a solid player. At any rate, those are your top four defensive tackles this year, this year and I'm fine with that. Um, the question for me is, is, is there going to be a fifth defensive tackle or uh, – but or is is that it? You know, uh, they've Nigel Williams, who was the walk-on defensive tackle, who's actually had to play a little bit. He was a defensive end today, which I think is a better fit for him. Uh, can Goodner be that guy? Um, like I said, I, I don't. Givens doesn't strike me as a twitch one-gap defensive tackle. I know he wants to play defense, but he doesn't strike me. I think he could have played on the defensive line for Justin Hamilton, but I don't think for the Brent Price scheme that he's he's the right fit for for that. Um, can a Braylon Moore be that guy? Desmond Mooney was a guy who redshirted last year, but again, he was recruited for the old scheme. Um, are you going to have to burn somebody's redshirt to to be the fifth defensive tackle? Uh, you know, kind of can a guy like that is a position where you don't you don't you don't want to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think Rashad Purnell's a heck of a good prospect, um, but I, I I'd rather I'd rather redshirt him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. That's something that has to shake itself out. Now, don't get me wrong. If the numbers work and Tech could find a proven defensive tackle that is a fit for this scheme, I, I would certainly take him. But at the same time, I I like Panay. I, th- I think he's a flex. He's a flexible guy, and I, I mean physically flexible. You get on his Instagram and you watch him. He's kickboxing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so you're yeah. talking about a defensive tackle that can kick his leg up head height and things like that. I mean, I just think he's a really good fit for the scheme and. I think at this point he needs to play to get better, and I, I don't I don't know if like blocking him right now would necessarily be yeah. good for his his long term projection. It depends on who's available and whether they're a schematic fit. I think. Yep, could see some movement in from the transfer portal. Definitely going to see some out from the football program in the next few months. 
In the second half, we're going to talk transfer portal a little bit more on the men's basketball side. We're also going to check in on red hot softball and baseball. Stay with us. We're going to take a break. Be right back with more here on episode 232 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Stay with us. Welcome back into episode 232 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Thanks for listening or watching. A reminder, if you are on our YouTube channel, leave a comment or question in the chat. We'll get to those at the end of the show. We've got Will, Chris, David. I'm Jake Malcolm behind the scenes. David and Will have swapped uh, if you are on the YouTube channel. So now David is across the way. Will in the fourth chair. We're going to go through softball, baseball, and some men's basketball transfer rumors uh who could possibly be coming in uh but let's start with softball 27 and 4 11 and 0 in the acc top five in the country not much else you can say that their 16 game losing streak was snapped or winning streak excuse me was snapped on monday against ucf in 11 innings uh but still this, this team proving over and over again that they could possibly end up in the college women's college world series this year and and i think you should note about that game, I believe Tech had 12 hits and yeah. stranded 10 runners. Yeah. So it's it, it's not that they weren't, you know, the bats weren't going. It, it was that, you know, just unopportune timing. But, I mean, this team is rolling, as we're going to talk about, big matchup this upcoming yes, week. Top it, five matchup. Biggest one of the year. At number five. or at, Number two. At number two, Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Florida State both in the top five. But, I mean, I think this is kind of what we expected, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Keely Rochard, Emma Lemley. Like, Emma Lemley has uh, emerged as this dynamic yes. pitcher. And it's this really like, you know, duo that I would not want to face if I'm any ACC team. And, and, and Keely you, Rochard just won ACC Pitcher of the Week again. Yeah, Virginia so, Tech's number three pitcher has pitched a no hitter. Yes. Think yeah. about all, that. The, the top three have just, all pitched no hitters. Right. This year. Like, yeah. So they're not going to have to go. You know, to the NCAA tournament this year and just throw Keely every single inning. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, has to take its toll mentally when you feel like you have to be perfect yeah. as yeah. a pitcher, I mean, it, and then you have to pitch the next game. And, yeah, yeah. She so, essentially like in in like last year against UCLA, she threw the entirety of games yeah. one and two, and then pretty much through game three until she couldn't anymore. Yeah, couldn't. yeah. So having Lem- Emma Lemley there provides a really balanced attack. Mm. Um, you know, and and they, I believe, through twenty five innings, they only allowed five runs all weekend. Well, and you look at that Sunday doubleheader; they went full fourteen innings, gave up just one hit combined because <laughs> Keeley had a no hitter. Lemley gave up just one and struck out twenty six batters. Yeah. yeah. Um. And earlier in the year, when they lost to Alabama, they weren't hitting. Yes. Yeah. Even they were, when they were winning earlier in the season, the bats didn't exactly get off to a hot start. But now they're hitting. Yeah. Like, like more like you. A lot of the too. a lot of the bats have started to to come along. Yes, uh, Emma Ritter leading the way, batting four forty two uh, as a sophomore, and then Bree Peck, true freshman, three sixty six, seven home runs, and it seems like a lot of that has come along over the last couple of weeks. Uh, when I was calling the games a few weeks ago against UNC, I got to talk to Coach Demore and ask kind of what's happened to her, and he said she believes in herself now. It's like she believes she belongs at this level. And it's showing. She, I mean, she leads the team in home runs as a true freshman. Yeah, when I, I Chip Grubb, our our softball B writer, um, as I'm sure he, as he told me, I think one of the big reasons why Tech started hitting a lot better was because Pete Demore moved from he coached third base originally, and then he moved <laughs> into the dugout, and just it, it's 
a lot easier to communicate with your players from, you know, as you talk to them before they walk out to the plate. And versus, when they come back. And yes. when they come back versus standing over there on on third base and trying to send them hand signals, right. you know. And, and you can't really make as many adjustments because yeah. once you get back in, they're heading out to the field. It, it, yeah, and I mean, I'm sure, you know, he's looking for certain, certain things from the pitcher and catcher, you know, while he's w- watching his batters. Yeah. But when you're doing that, in the dugout and you can sit there and turn to, you know, turn to your batter and go, Hey, like, you know, like you, you see what they're doing here, you know, like be wary of this or whatnot. And, yeah. you know, I mean, tech has flown through a lot of these past couple series and, you know, yes, the, the 16 game win streak was snapped, you know, at number 20 UCF, we should in, a, in 11 right. innings. Yeah. It's a good team. Yes. And it was in 11 innings, and Tech absolutely blew UCF out of the water in the first two games. You know, just I, I know the scoreline was what? One, it was really close in the first game. It was, I believe, one, one or two to nothing in the first game, yeah. seven nothing in the but, second game. But when you have Keely Richard on the mound, I don't, you know, you, you don't you feel like you more. have, yeah, you feel like you're, you're pretty safe. So this team has. It's very well rounded, and I think it's exactly what we've expected. Yeah, I mean, definitely seems like that they, at this point, it'd be a surprise if they were anything but a one seed. Yeah, I mean, it, they would have hosting to re- a super regional, right? Hosting, yeah. hosting a super regional too, exactly. So uh, I believe they're number two in the RPI. That's they, probably they right. were number one for a while. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure, and they they may have dropped down, but. Biggest series of the year coming up this weekend in Tallahassee, number two Florida State, number four Virginia Tech. Hokies are still the only undefeated team in ACC play, um, but this game, this series could decide who ends up as the one seed in the ACC. Seminoles have their uh, combination of two pitchers who are great as well. Catherine Sandercock is eighteen and zero with a one point oh two ERA. Danielle Watson behind her eleven and two, a one point five four ERA. <laughs> So this could be very similar to that Alabama series. Low scoring series. one nothing, 2 nothing, something like that. Yeah, but imagine if Tech's trying to play this series and they have to throw Keely Richard. Like last year? Keely Richard every all three days. Yeah, yeah you've got a, MLM, a very capable MLMly and Ivan Rosenberry even if you need it. You know, like, like there's so much talent in that room and, and I think honestly it's going to come down to, you know, who can get more hit? I mean, that, I guess that's that's base, that's diamond sports, but like, you it know, maybe a game with three could, total hits or just so. like, like the Alabama game. Who's going to get the timely hit? Yes, yeah, that, like the Alabama games. You know, yes. it, three combined three three zero score line. You know, and two, Alabama scored in the sixth inning in one of them. It, and Tech know. had the bases loaded in one of those games. Yeah, right? I, yes. I think I think that's something. You know, Tech has seemed to be able to get a lot of runners on. It's can you score them, yes. and I think that's kind of the that like will push them over the hump a little bit. But I mean, it's going to be a really fun weekend. Like three three top five college softball games. I mean, imagine if we're sitting here talking next week, you know, previewing the spring game, but Virginia Tech softball just won a series at number two Florida State. I mean that is that's huge for your resume. Yes, yeah, and it, softball is home next week too for the spring yes, game. Yes, with, right? Virginia. with Virginia. So Virginia Thursday, Friday, Saturday next weekend. So that's and Virginia were, hasn't scored on Virginia Tech in how many years? They, they scored one last year. <laughs> well, one they did last. score one last year, but I believe that's the only run they've scored since about 2017. Um, so you know, I'm going to look that up. <laughs> I, I looked it up the other week because I was talking to one of my friends about it. I was like, I don't think Virginia scored on Tech softball in five years. 
Um, so that should be fun. Fans in town for the spring game. You got games. Softball, baseball. Softball, baseball has Miami, I believe. Yeah, uh, next weekend. That about so, right. so um, and that's and that's a top. That that's Miami's a top twenty-five team. Yes, and yes. Tech baseball is doing rather well against top twenty-five teams right now. Well, let's seems. talk about it. Baseball. Speaking uh, of bats getting hot. Speaking of bats getting hot. Dude, yes. Jack uh, Hurley. What's his batting Jack average? Jack Hurley is batting a cool four sixty-four. Four sixty-four leads, leads, leads America. The, leads the nation. Uh, twenty-four game hitting streak. Right? Ten. Yes, all twenty-four games this year he has a hit. Ten home runs. <laughs> Thirty-four RBIs. Kate Hunter's also hitting over four hundred. He has a twenty-four game on base. Yes, Straight. both of those guys every single game have gotten on. And base. it's just it's it's nuts. And now Chris Hirons, I told you before the show, Chris Hirons is is writing a story that they'll come out either today or tomorrow. I asked him if if he would you know if he think it would be worthwhile because I think so to write a story on. Okay, Virginia Tech's doing well, but can they can the team keep it going? Because well, last year we saw how hot they got at the beginning of the year. And then fell off a cliff. Right. And he, he talked to the guys after they beat Marshall six yes. two on Tuesday. Um, got got some good quotes. So so keep an eye out for that. But yeah. I mean, they they won the one game series at Notre Dame. Yes. Took then two they out be- of three at North Carolina. First ever First. series win in Chapel Hill. Yeah. I mean, this team is rolling and like. And it's not just the hitting. Like Drew Hackenberg has been really, really oh good on gosh. the mound. Oh my gosh! Um, he has as many walks as as starts, innings pitched, right? Or yeah, yeah, yeah start. Yeah, not yeah. as innings pitched. So that would be bad. That, and that's insane. <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. Um, <laughs> and it's very, and very important to not walk people in baseball generally. Yeah. So the walk almost always gets you, but especially in Blacksburg. Look, look, the ball's going to fly in yeah. so many games here because of the wind this time of year. Uh, so you're gonna give up a few homers here and there just simply because of that. Just don't walk people in front of that guy who hits the home run. Yeah, let him be so a solo shot is fine. You can overcome that. You can't overcome a three run homer a lot of times. Um, that's why he's been really impressive to me. Is he's just not walking people, keeping them off the off the base base pass, and that's very impressive. And I I think Tech is in a better position this year because they're overall a more experienced team. I remember going to a game last year when they played Florida State and Tech won. Hurley actually homered in that game. But I, I want to <laughs> say like Tech started seven freshmen. That yeah. yeah. I think I think and the one non-freshman might have been t- uh, Tanner Thomas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's probably right. So, and we've talked about this before. The scouting report gets out after a while. Yeah. Um, so after, you know, three or four ACC series – after you've got tape on all these guys and you've got scouting report, you just tell your pitchers, yeah, um, stop throwing these freshman fastballs. <laughs> See if they can hit a changeup or a breaking ball. Yeah. Right? Um, so I, I don't I, – I, so you saw a whole bunch of guys drop off at the end of the last season and then combine that with the injuries Tech had with their pitching staff. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't much they could do. This year I think the pitching staff is deeper. I mean, they're getting good midweek starts yes. this year. And it's crazy because a lot of these guys, I mean, John Chef kind of hit the portal for for a handful of of pitchers, yep. and some unproven, some proven, but like it's a lot of guys that have never really gotten reps at like a D one level before, right. and they've been impressive. Really good, right? right. Yeah, and yeah. and of course we haven't even talked about Gavin Cross. Who might be a top ten pick in the MLB draft? Well, and and he struggled really early good. on, but he's starting to come around over the yeah, last yeah. couple of weeks. Now, if he's a top ten pick in the MLB draft, that, that would make him the highest drafted. 
You yeah. could make an argument that he's the best Virginia Tech baseball player yeah, ever. ever. Yep. I mean, based on where he's drafted. Yes. I mean, yes, you can go back and look and you can say Chad Pender because he's played so long in the majors or, or Mike Williams or, or, or people like that. Um, but as far as like the entire college career, what they did in college and where they were drafted, yeah. you know, you could make that argument. I think we got some backlash last time we said that on the podcast, but yeah. it, it's true. If he I'm, ends up going ahead, uh, Joe Saunders was 12th overall? 12th yeah. or 13th, something so like that. So if Gavin Cross he is a top 10 there. pick. And I, I think it's important to mention like the the guys that were like, the guys that were key contributors, but like a guy like Nick Bittison, who went through a lot of, uh, he, you know, yeah. he went through a slump last year after being injured Missed for a, a lot while. of time. He's been really good so far this year. Well, yeah. Tanner Schobel as well. Uh, Gavin Cross and Tanner Schobel went back to back twice, twice on Friday against yeah. UNC, against pitching. UNC. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I think that's important. Chris Hirons uh, tweeted this. It, it's not like Virginia Tech is is hitting like this against bad pitchers. Like right. these are some of the best pitchers, they, Notre Dame and North Carolina. Some of the best they pitchers. Ran in the both of their aces within four innings, mm-hmm. I want to say, yeah. over the last two weekends. Um, big series coming up this weekend as well. Top 25 NC State team, Tommy Tanks, coming to town. Uh, so we've got uh, Tommy White and Jack Hurley in the same ballpark. That's going to be electric. Yeah. Oh, man. The two yeah. probably, <laughs> yeah. probably the two hottest guys in the country. No doubt. And well, Tommy's cooled down a little bit. He has. He had like nine home How runs in a week. How could you not cool down? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean – He's batting threes, three fifty six, I believe I wrote down twelve home runs. Uh, but it's hard. I think he was batting five hundred with like eight home runs in the first week of the season. So, yeah, I, I was. I mean, I was watching some highlights of Tech the other day, and when Hurley homered, and I was just impressed with his bat speed. He just, he just really seems, he really seems to have a quick bat. Obviously, if you're hitting four. 64. 464, yeah. you're going to have one. You're going to have one. But it was really impressive. Like when I saw him swing, I, it just seemed exceptionally fast to me. And I'm not a baseball scout by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but he's a sophomore, right? So we got yes. another year of Jack Hurley. Was he, but was, he, gonna, was he a COVID freshman? I don't no, think so. I think he was a he true, was freshman. A true freshman, freshman last year. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, he was on Packer in Durham this morning. I saw that. Uh, uh, we got an answer to a question many have been wondering. If you face Keely, Keely Rashard, Rashard could, he, could he hit her? He said, absolutely not. Uh, he said he watches her pitch and it's like 20 strikeouts a game. He said, yeah. I had no, I'd have no chance. Yeah, but I think it's important here to mention, we, we were talking about it before, the Director's Cup. They they announced the updated standings for the Director's Cup mm-hmm. after, because they, they announced it, this is Learfield Director's Cup, they announced it after fall sports and then after winter sports and then in Kind of like midsummer, they announced like what happened after all the year, you know, after the entire year, and after the winter season, Virginia Tech is nineteenth in the Directors Cup, which the would be their highest highest ever finish is twenty eighth, right? And right. the spring sports looking right. good so far, right? And you got so, baseball and softball who are looking good, right? Now, if softball makes a deep run and if baseball makes the NCAA tournament, and don't count on track and track, field either, track exactly. You've got outdoor track, yes. Rolling right the women's now, team too. finished six nationally, so yeah. yeah. Definitely a lot to look forward to the rest of the spring. We've got one more sport I want to talk about uh, before we finish up here on episode 232, men's basketball. Uh, we talked a lot about Justin Mutz and Keve Luma early on in the podcast about whether they would want to stay or go. If they do leave, there's some options in the transfer portal that have kind of been linked to Virginia Tech. Obviously, some of the big ones, 
uh, Ali Ali from Akron. Akron. I believe that's how you pronounce it. He's on it. the all-name team. So, yeah. uh, Noah Carter from Northern Iowa. He was in, I believe he's coming to take a visit. He's visiting for the spring game, I believe. Yeah. Okay. And he was all Missouri Valley or right. Missouri Valley, correct? Yeah, because he's Northern Iowa. Yes. Yeah. Um, Jake and I, Stevens, and I think I, I think Noah's got two years left. Too, I believe, right? yes. I believe so. Yeah, and then Jake Stevens, VMI, who aver- seven footer, who averaged like 20 and nine, 10, nine, basically. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say nineteen and nine, like, yeah. and <laughs> shot forty nine from three. Yeah, he shoots, he can shoot the three range. too, and averaged three assists per game. Yeah, and he he's played in Castle Coliseum. He has times. Uh, last season. He had eleven gonna, points, five say, rebounds, all three assists, three blocks, two steals. Something like that. You look it, it up. Box I think. score. I believe that was it. So um, it, it feels like the the backcourt is kind of loaded. You've got a lot of yeah. options back yeah. there, but Plenty. front court there's some insurance policies if Mutz yeah. and Luma decide to move on. Right now, the key here is timing. Like you don't want them dragging out their decisions until June, and yeah. there's nobody left yeah. in the portal to take. So there's got to be constant communication between. The, the the parties there, you know, Mike Young talking to both of those guys, getting a feel for for where they are and, and everything like that. Um, no, what what is Noah's last name? Again? Carter. Noah, Noah Carter. Carter. That's it. Yeah, I keep wanting to call him Noah Kane. He's like a UVA football player. <laughs> no, no, Noah Carter. Um, or no, Noah Kane was a Penn State football player. Anyway, I, I can no, tell that Chris is starting to get older because he's starting. To yeah, I'm starting. To lose it. <laughs> Noah Carter, he's he's a skilled guy. Like he can pass it, kind of like Mutz. Like he yeah. so. First of all, he's six six. Yeah, and yeah I he's, he's six six from from Northern Iowa. Yeah, yeah. He averaged about fifteen a game yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah. Mutz is also six six, even though he's listed at six seven. If you look at that picture of him and Elizabeth Kitley holding up their trophies they're, for AC Scott, yeah. they're exactly yeah, the same. The same <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Maybe they add the hair on top. Yeah, too. but but Maybe. Carter could be somebody who can kind of fill that Mutz role. Right. But I think again, it comes down to. This timing, and you mentioned the backcourt. It's funny because I texted Chris the other day, and I I asked about MJ Collins because I was like, "There's no way like some of these guys aren't going to play, yeah, right?" Man. You've got Sean Padula, Rodney, Rod- Rice. Rodney Rice is probably the guy that would take over some ball handling responsibilities. Yeah. Then you've got Hunter Couture, Naheem Aline, who are both going to be seniors, and then Darius Maddox and MJ Collins. That's six guys in the backcourt. You're loaded. You don't need anywhere else. But but. What happens is if Kevin Luma and Justin Mutz end up leaving, you have a hole in the front right. court, and, and and you have nobody there with experience, nobody that started a game before. Right. David Gasson and John Ojiako, your most experienced players, they both played in like I think fifty-seven career games, but they've never started a game, right. you know, and. And I like Gasson, but overall those two would not provide no. the same production. And, and yeah. I think it goes back to the timing. And Kevin Luma and Justin Mutz have big decisions to make. Do you want to stay an extra year in college? We were just talking about the NIL deal. We don't know whether Justin Mutz is going to come back or not. But you know, if there's potential NIL stuff in the works, who knows? Yeah. You know. But Mike Young trying to. I guess pull strings a little bit and make sure he knows because you don't want to lose out on on a guy, you know. If like Mike Young sitting there and saying, "Okay, well, I've got a feeling that Kevin and Justin aren't going to come back," and I've got a feeling that you know we've got Noah Carter or, or um, you know guys that want to potentially come, 
you got to make sure that the guys have made their decision before the other guys have. You know, you don't yeah. want to you don't want to lose out on overload. a guy. You don't well, you don't want to lose out on a guy because the current guys haven't made a decision. But obviously, those are the guys that just help your program win an ACC championship. <laughs> right, right. So, so it's you, a tough balancing. You, you don't really want to speed them up. You don't want to put pressure yeah, on them because yeah. they just want an ACC for you. Um, Mike Young has a great relationship with those oh, guys. Yeah. So uh, that's something. That's why they pay him the big bucks. I'm not going to worry about and it. And honestly, I would. You know, and I say this, I would not be surprised if if either of them came back. I wouldn't J- either. Just like be- I'm not expecting both of them both? to come back. No, um, that would be awesome. Can you imagine <laughs> if they if they did? That would be I, I, awesome. I, I was telling Will but, earlier, you essentially just lose Storm Murphy. Right? Yes. No, yeah, it's the same team plus, and, and you have Champadula with another year under his belt. Yeah, and, and, and you, you had Rodney, Rodney Rice. Rice. Yeah. I, you would think ideally, obviously, both come back or. One comes back and you get one of these guys out of the portal. Yeah. I think that would be the ideal scenario mm-hmm. for Mike Young at this point. Yeah, but I, I think, again, it's going to come down to timing because at, there could potentially be a point. Imagine if both of them, the guys announce, okay, we're leaving. Well, then you've got two open scholarships. Because right now, if they both came back, Tech's at 13 scholarships, the maximum. And also, I think it's important to mention that there's probably going to be a little bit of attrition. I, I, if I, I would expect maybe one guy to transfer out. It, it, I mean, the, it'd be shocking if nobody did. But because right. that's college basketball nowadays. Yeah. But <laughs> if Kevin Luma and Justin Muntz leave, you've got two open scholarship spots as it stands today. So there's potentially going to be an opportunity where you know you look a little bit more appealing. But I think it's all going to it all, you know, hinges on this one decision. Or two, I guess, two decisions that that these guys are making, and if you're Mike Young, you know you're kind of just sitting around, and, and you want what's in best interest for these guys. You know, I think in football, with 85 scholarships and the vast amount of guys you bring into your program these days, even with the transfer portal, it's still high school kids. Yeah. So you still say yes, recruiting is very important for for college football. Basketball, I don't even think you have to. You, I don't even know if you should use the term recruiting anymore. It should just be roster management. That's essentially what it is. Right. It's, it's only true. 13 scholarships. Um, you're going to have a lot of portal guys. Um, I mean, so, I mean, that, that's really what it is. Like, like Virginia Tech might never sign, like, a top four recruiting class in the ACC, but, but who cares? But if you hit the yeah. portal <laughs> yeah. part, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's important to mention that, you know, if if because if Justin and Kevin end up staying, you don't need anybody. But if one leaves or two leaves – then you need a replacement. You yes. need a guy that can start because you have nobody behind them. Yes. That that has experience, I should say. Because I think we, we saw Gasson, you know, as I wrote um, earlier this week or and last week, two subscription articles on Tech Sideline just about postseason basketball thoughts about the season and, and this upcoming offseason. It's important to note Gasson turned into a he, – he improved – you know, so much sure. over the course well, of the season, and and you got to remember he was playing the four and the five. But yes, but but him playing thirty, him starting and having to play thirty three minutes a game next year, you have to get it, a little stronger. It's for that. it's yeah. not ideal. Right. And you would think Gasson and maybe if Ogiaco starts getting more minutes by the end of the season, maybe they're ready for that. But I don't think you want to roll into the first game of the year with those guys as your starting right. four and yeah. five. So it'll be very interesting to see how the, the roster shakes out. Obviously, the first domino that has to fall is whether Mutz and Aluma are going to stay. And we'll probably learn that news over the next month or so, we would assume. Uh, and we'll certainly talk about that as it develops. 
Before we get out of here, Will is monitoring the chat uh, in the fourth chair. Have we gotten any good questions over there? The chat is pretty quiet in the second half. Um, Matthew Morrison reports uh, that he got a tracking number for the posters. So those of you who have ordered them, yes, you will, you will receive acknowledgement and a tracking order, a tracking number. So that's good. Um, and <clears throat> S1KE, which I presume is announced, uh, pronounced Psych. Psych. Uh, this is really a question for me. Is this just a special occasion with the Mutz posters, or are you guys looking to possibly do more NIL deals in the future? Um, we, we'll just have to see how things shake out. It's, yeah, it's, like if Dwayne Lofton comes down with a dramatic catch to beat Clemson in the ACC title game and our photographer is right there, yeah. and Dwayne Lofton's going to get himself an NIL P deal picture, too, right? Picture Trey Turner's catch against, against UVA, UVA a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. like as you guys were talking about earlier, like um, – Imagine if they had this back, like when Dur when Deron Washington teabag Greg Paulus. <laughs> I would have made my parents buy me that. You know, oh, no like, doubt. Like I, I was, I was the biggest Deron Washington. Oh. I would have made my parents buy me. That. But, but yeah, I guess and, it's, and I would have put a picture in the corner of a guy with a cup just dipping his teabag <laughs> with a little smile on his face. <laughs> Or get Duran to do it. Get Duran to just, I'm making oh tea. <laughs> you could probably get him to do that now. Just take a picture, make a poster. Jesus. Well, somebody somebody else owns the right to that, <laughs> photo, that photo. But, you know, you can find out who it yeah. is and purchase it. Uh, a serious answer is uh, NIL is kind of the wild, wild west right now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there are a couple of uh, groups that are um, being created, at least a couple, to uh, do NIL deals for Virginia Tech. And uh, so we'll have to see how that stuff shakes out. And so, I, I mean, I, certainly this went well. Uh, it was a lot of time spent. And we are not a poster production company here at Tech Sideline. We're a, you know, we're a media entity that covers Virginia Tech Athletics. Yeah, so there's only so much we can do on a project like that that takes two weeks and we don't make a dime out of it. I mean, we do have to run our business here. Yeah, and, yeah. and so, you know, and, and also I've talked to the printer that did this for us, and, and he they might be open to a storefront where you can go and buy posters. This whole signed thing, that was a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. But certainly there's print-on-demand companies that you just, you know, we, we can whip out a, uh, like, a like, like we could do a Dax Hollyfield poster within just a few hours and have something ready to sell. If you want him to sign it, that's a whole different animal. Yes. Um, but we'll, so that, that's kind of a long-winded answer. We'll just see how things shake out because this is a very public thing. And these groups that are that want to do NIL are probably sitting there thinking to themselves, let's have a poster shop. In which case, you know, if they like any of the pictures we've got, we'll sell them the rights to that. Have at it. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of. Uh, not really sure. And somebody asked me that yesterday and I said, you know, back when PCs, and I remember this because I'm old enough, when personal computers started being a thing, the IBM PC came out. Um, there were literally dozens to hundreds of companies that popped up and started producing PCs. And it was the wild, wild west for a while. And they all consolidated down to about three or four manufacturers, uh, IBM, probably HP, Compaq, Dell. Dell, you know, and, and, and after a couple of years, it was all kind of centralized and, and focused. And I think that will also happen with NIL, provide the NCAA doesn't wake up one day and change their mind about things, yeah. you know. They won't but, change their mind, but you could see a rules change yes. to a certain extent. Yeah. If it starts to impact competition more than they had anticipated, possibly. Yeah. So, so, so th I, but I do think this sort of thing will be available, whether it's us or somebody else. Perfect.
Well, I think uh, I think that just about wraps it up. A full show today. We covered a lot of stuff. Well, one one more thing, but I, but I'm not sure we can answer this one. Uh, Sam Sweeney says, and I don't know how closely you guys. I, I bet Chip could answer half of this question. Um, uh, da, 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 where did it go? Any updates to softball slash baseball recruiting? Do you guys cover that at that's all? A, yeah. That's a Chip Chris yeah. question. Yeah. I haven't question. heard much about recruiting from either side. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, it, recruiting is one of those things. Like Jack Curley's an awesome player, but like unless you subscribe to like Perfect Game or something like, like Baseball that, America, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, probably yeah, not going to know a ton until those guys show up on yeah, campus. Yeah, yeah I mean, I know Chip. Chip wrote like Chip wrote a uh, a story kind of at the beginning of the year on like all the newcomers that were coming in, just like the recruiting, or it was uh, when they signed. Uh, when when right. when all the and all the players signed, Tech wrote. So I believe we do have a a recruiting article on the site. If you find go through the for softball, this year's freshmen, for, right. for oh, this no, year, wait a minute, for next year, for next year's freshmen, I believe. I believe. Um, I remember seeing that. I think too. But if you have any questions, go on the message board and ask Chip Grubb because we have a dedicated it. softball message board. Yes. Yeah, yeah, new softball message right. board, and, and Chip I'm, will answer any questions. Chip you have. is monitoring those constantly. I believe Chip so. never sleeps. I saw. <laughs> hey, so I saw he was at Bush Gardens today. Oh my gosh! Really? Wow. Yeah, I don't know. He said he rolled the new. There's a new roller coaster. He said he, I saw he, that. He rode. No, it. He was. Uh, let's see. So he was down there for the for UCF him. series. He's probably <laughs> going over to Tallahassee. I think he was actually in Orlando. Yeah, he was in Orlando. He's at Universal. He went to Universal. Universal. And oh, he, so there's there another down there for the whole week. Then. There's another Bush Gardens down there too. Oh, that's so what he probably went to Bush Gardens Tampa. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what. Well, make no Bush sense Gardens to go all the way back to Virginia and then go all Chip's the way Florida back to vacation. Park. Yeah, that's as somebody right. who grew up 15 minutes from Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. Yes, that's true. Um, so anyway, good all show right. today. Yeah, great yep. show. Uh, what what do we have coming up on Tech Sideline over the next few days? We got Friday Q and A. I've got three more positions to do for for football. So. I got defense tackle, linebacker, defensive back. So they'll all come out in rapid succession next week. And if we can, we're still waiting to hear on whether or not we can, we're going to be able to go watch Saturday's football scrimmage. And by we, he means media. It's yes. not media, something yes. that's going to be not an open to fans. Sorry. Event. Yeah, but if we do, you know. It's not really something we can report on, though, if we're there. It's just more for our knowledge. Yeah, we so, but. Just so we could see it. But. Yeah. Well, again, you know, next Wednesday we'll get to talk. It'll be the final media thing before the spring game, and then Thursday, my guess is we'll probably have open practice again. So right. there will be a lot of a lot of football stuff coming your way. Perfect. Uh, and then again, reminder: next Monday, Tony Roby coming on the podcast. Right. Uh, we will have it'll be me hosting it. Will will be on set, and then Jack Brizendine, our our wrestling writer, will be in the fourth chair. So don't miss that. That'll be Monday morning, I believe. Uh, Monday morning, we don't have a time yet. Okay. Uh, we'll set that later, and we are working on Pete DeMore. We had hoped to have Pete next week but after Florida State Series and before the UVA Series, but uh, he's really – because that UVA Series starts on Thursday. Thursday, yeah. yes. So he's he's really pressed for time. They're at Liberty on Tuesday. Yes. So, so the deal is he's turnaround. at Liberty on Tuesday, then he's got to do Blacksburg Sports Club on Wednesday, and then they play UVA on Thursday. Yeah, so, so quick turnaround, busy week. So once they're done uh, – so I looked it up. They've 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 won something like twelve in a row over UVA by a combined score of I believe it was seventy two to twelve, and the last six have been or something like that have been a combined score of forty nine to one. <laughs> so so by by now UVA I think UVA is better this year, but my joke a little is, bit better. That's the thing is so so is Tech. 
<laughs> that is that that's is just true. warn that's fans true. you probably don't want to show up late to those uva games because uh, <laughs> they, yeah, they may be over don't show up in like expected. the fourth inning because as soon as you sit down with your popcorn it's getting <laughs> yeah. all right well again reminder tony roby on the podcast monday we hope to get P- pete demore on sometime soon as well but i'll wrap things up on episode 232 of the tech sideline podcast I want to thank everybody on set will stewart was across the way. Now he's in the fourth chair, founder and general manager. Had a lot of good insight on the Justin Mutz NIL deal. David Cunningham across the way, our main engine editor. Uh, great job on the set in the second half, going around the horn on some tech sports. Chris Coleman to my right, lead analyst and columnist for Tech Sideline. We spent a lot of time in the fall following the Braves World Series run, so uh, they start their title defense tonight. Good luck. Somebody they face t- the Reds today. Yeah, they do. This is only the third time since 1890 that the Reds have started. Is today the opening on the day. Roll, today is roll. opening day, yeah. and so the Masters is drowning that out. Well, right? here's yeah. your crazy it's stat. A little bit. Your crazy stat of the day as a, as a base as a baseball fan is this is just the third time since 1890 that the Reds have opened a season on the road. I'm an open. Wow, they're normally the traditional wild. team. They're the oldest team in baseball. They're normally the traditional team that, that starts at home. So like Dallas yeah. and Detroit always host Thanksgiving Thank, football yeah, games. Kind of like that for baseball. Yeah, interesting. Well, my my Rays don't play today, so neither do my Tigers. We're hoping for an above five hundred record <laughs> for the first time since I was about fifteen years old. So. And, and for the four chair over here, let's go Mets. Go there we go. We got our four teams. Uh, Mal- Malcolm behind the scenes. Do it. Does Malcolm, Malcolm have a team? Malcolm okay. have a team. All right, we're gonna get him a team. <laughs> Mal- <but> Malcolm says, <laughs> "Eh." <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap things up. I am your host, Jake Lyman. Thank you for tuning in here on episode 232 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.